Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm going to blow you away today with my guest. When you think about Priscilla McKinney, you think about B2B influencing on LinkedIn. Well, I'm going to rock your world here today. So with me today is Lillian Pearson. She is uh, my one friend and colleague who has severely, severely beat me out for amazing amount of followers on LinkedIn. And, you know, it, of course, the, the following is one thing. Obviously, she has great content, knows what she's talking about. Otherwise, the people would not be following. But what you know is that I will always say what really matters is can you drive revenue? Do you have something to offer in the industry? And let me tell you, Lillian Pearson does. So Lillian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Priscilla. And I love that um, that starter because to me it is like it is like if it's a business, if it's not profitable, it's not a business, it's a hobby, right? And so driving revenue <laughs> right. is definitely should be the focus of every business. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm excited to get to have this conversation. <laughs> Well, you have such an interesting niche, and I think it's also so poised to just continue to blow up over the next couple of years. So many people are desperate for the expertise that you have. So we're going to break it down just a little bit so people can understand, you know, such a huge topic, but we're going to break it down a little bit smaller so they can kind of digest it and understand what it is that you do. And then I, I just want to really give people some practical ways they could reach out to you just as a thank you for coming on the show and imparting some of this, this great knowledge. So I want to start just with uh, help telling my audience really what your day today is, because as you have been mentoring data professionals to really lead, not just kind of do their careers, but how do we come out and actually lead and make a difference? And as you said, drive revenue. I think that's where you and I connect, sister, is that, listen, everybody's got great ideas. There's no shortage of great ideas. But how do you effectively take these intangible ideas and how do you put them into a rock solid plan so that you know at the end you you have taken that uh, that amazing skill that you have, but really turned it into a product that sells. So tell us what your day-to-day -day is. How do you describe your job, really? So my day-to-day, -day, I mean, I'm the CEO of my company, and I have an integrator. I have a small team, and we, we focus on it's B2C, really, because I'm helping data professionals. Um, I'm working to help them become world-class data leaders and entrepreneurs. And so day-to-day, -day, like, what did I work? Actually, I just finished um, updating and upgrading a course that I had pre-sold. Um, so I finished that yesterday, and I took a little bit of a breather, and then tomorrow... I, I've got, I wrote Data Science for Dummies back in 2014, and it needed to be pretty much rewritten for all the changes, um, you know, over the last four years. So I've got, I've got 25% uh, left on that, and then we're going to be going into heavy sales, um, sales cycles after I get the book written. Mm. <laughs> um, that's no small task for anybody listening about updating an actual book in a world that changes just continually. So the, the explosion of information on data science, I, I hope that that's not 
so overwhelming to you because just hearing the fact that you have to update that book on the regulars is like is a very daunting task to me <laughs> yeah i've been practicing i practice a lot of self-care like i actually turned my business operations over to my integrator you know there's just there's a few deadlines and i need to focus on those and just gave the whole business operations to my integrator which she's done great i've rewritten it twice so this is a third version and there's many reasons I'm excited about this version of the book, but one of the things about the book now is it's going to be a lot more evergreen because it's taking a more strategic approach to data science, learning data science, and it's actually taking a revenue driven approach mm. and like just every single chapter is like, because we have a problem in our industry where project, you know, that's not what they're teaching in, data, in schools where you learn to do data sciences you know, how does this actually generate value for the business? They don't teach that part. So um, every single chapter is focused on how is this applicable to <laughs> the number one primary purpose of a business, which is to increase, you know, to increase revenues. So um, it's most, it's more, since it's more strategic, it's also going to be now more evergreen, which is good. Oh, I, yeah, that is super interesting. That's also what we would call it. My company being kind to your future self, <laughs> right? A little bit less um, later on, but so let's talk about that. Cause this is where you and I really connect Lillian is that idea of uh, keeping focused on revenue generation as we really balance this great content and, you know, the kinds of courses and the kinds of um, help that you give out, very high quality, but yet you know you're building a business. So you have trained data professionals all around the world, and that is like not a euphemism. You have trained them all around the world. Kazakhstan um, <laughs> so was the weirdest place, which yeah. is actually a really cool place. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think people use those. Oh, I'm a global professional. No, really, Lillian is a global professional. <laughs> um, but tell me very practically, what do you see as that dividing line between those who understand the science, data science, and those who understand actually how to communicate the value and apply that science for practical applications? You can't really take a data implementer. I mean, and Okay, first, and try to force them to be, yeah, yeah, they need to be cognizant of, you know, cognizant of, of big picture, like what they're doing and how it impacts the bigger, the organization at large. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, no one needs to be forced into the, the, this, anything. So, when you come into data science roles into the world, you learn, okay, Python for data science, you learn all these algorithms, so on and so forth. And, and yes, it never stops changing and um, evolving, which is for me, something that's exhausting. I don't want to be sitting in Coursera courses every other week trying to keep up. The thing is, is that there is a common notion among data science professionals that it, you know, you need to be doing implementation work for 15 years before you can be a leader. And I can imagine like spending because that's the concept. And also there's some people that want to keep others down, right? So, you know, that have got seniority, they want to be like, well, you haven't got all these years or whatever. Um, but in this day and age with product managers at Facebook and Google, they're bringing people right out of college as product managers. So that's basically a leadership role. Um, you know, that's a data leader role right there. And they're bringing them right out of college. 
doing to do that. So it's not, it's no longer a place where you have to spend 15 years doing something you don't love in order to be good enough to finally get to do something you care, you know, that you're passionate about. Oh, I love this. See, you're like blowing up the way we used to do data science and the way we had to approach it. This idea of these careers. What I hear you talking about is really understanding more uh, your natural style so that you can take your skills and apply them there. And I got to tell you, Lillian, from the day a long ago that we met um, on Clubhouse, you know, I've been really going through a lot of your content and seeing how do you help people really discover what it is they should be doing in data science. And I stumbled on um, one of my favorite types of things, a great quiz that you wrote. And let me just tell you, I love a great quiz. I, I have written several and I think that they are so, if they are very, very good content and truly guide people, it is helpful. But did you take I, it? I did. Did you like it? What did you get? I, I, um, I'm actually the entrepreneur. So go figure. <laughs> right. Good. But this, yeah. is, this is the, this is like the, the archetypes you're talking about, right? Because I found this quiz, um, on your website and it was really about what data roles you should, you should put yourself into. And, and it, it, you know, it, 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 as far as like helping people, helping people discover that, I understand now, having just talked with you about it, that that was your motivation to help people really. Yes, I don't want is, people exactly. You want like, to I don't them want you to spend their, their fifteen years doing something yeah. that you don't love when, because once you're in that place where your passions and your personality and your skill sets are, as you know, as an entrepreneur, when it's when it's converging, you're gonna thrive. You're gonna do well. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be happy. And, the, you know, for, for all of my customers, I mean, yes, it comes down to, yes, I want a better job. I want to become a data scientist because I want more money. You get more money, then you're like, okay, I want accolades. You get more accolades. You're like, well, I want more autonomy. You know, so there's always a thing. And why do we do all this stuff? We do this because we want to be happy. So mm-hmm. it doesn't actually matter, like the whole progression, if you can just be happy where you're at. Right. Um, you basically got already, you're already got the pot of gold at the end of the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. If you are interested in what we're talking about, I love how I just made this connect, but it's data hyphen mania.com. And I found this quiz on your homepage. Is it still on your homepage? No, there's a pop-up, but it's data. If you do data superhero quiz in Google, it should come up. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that it's in the show notes, but I think this is really key um, for the type of work that you do and how you help people, Lillian, because you are helping take data sciences, which is such a big field and something that not everybody understands. Um, you know, if you're outside of data science, it, it kind of feels almost like a mystery or, a, you know, a wizardry from the outside. And so the kinds of people who can actually take that and transform it into a product or someone who really wants to, you know, uh, you know, project manager lead or someone who really wants to create it. I think being able to find which one is your niche is is so important. So we'll make sure that we put it in the notes. Hey, you listening to this podcast right now. Do you ever think, man, there are so many kick-ass market research podcasts 
I wish there was some sort of an award for them so I could go and vote for my favorite. Well, you're in luck. The Market Research Podcast Award is back. Vote for your favorite podcast in the insights industry and bestow upon them the title of MR Podcast of the Year. Nominations are now closed and voting is open. Vote for your absolute favorite market research podcast at littlebirdmarketing.com slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Voting closes August 31st, 2021, and the winner will be announced in October at Greenbook's IIEX North America. So let, let's talk on a little bit of a different vein here. Let's really talk about organizations and how okay. they go about starting new initiatives. So you can, we, to kind of back that up, we talk about people, the individuals, when they start a new initiative, should they be a leader? Should they be an implementer? Should they enter? Like where getting the right path is so important. So let's look at that from the organization side. When organization starts new initiatives, what, what do you think are the pitfalls and, you know, how do you see it happen time and time again, how people do not employ effective data strategies? What's, go, what's going on? What do you see? On an organizational level, um, a lot of times it has, there's, has to do with power plays and structures. Like what the pitfall is, is that you've got different, different business units that all have competing agendas and needs and there's not a centralized. So if you had a, da- a uh, chief data officer, they could create an integrated data strategy plan to make sure that all of the needs, you know that the, the most important needs, at least of the different business u- units is being met and that the resources that are required to meet those are also being shared across the business so that everyone is benefiting from work that's being done across the business instead of these siloed projects that fail and spinning wheels in like different areas and no overarching strategy. So most companies, you know, they don't have that overarching strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, they So they have a lot of little mini strategies and mini plans going on. And um, why they don't have the overarching strategy. I think there's still like, even in 2021, there's still like a lack of data literacy, I think among in the boardroom in terms of the importance of, of centralizing this and, you know, naming an, an individual, making one person responsible for like, instead of, because I remember even when I was working in a day job, which was quite a few years ago, <laughs> You know, it was a it was our division against IT department. You know, and um, and it's still like that. It's still like, well, who's responsible? And you know, one unit's not getting their needs met, while the other one is kind of trying to be, you know, have all the power. And it's like it just needs to be consolidated under one chief data officer and work to like centralize the whole data operations of the company. Right. Okay. Yeah. I love this. This, this siloed approach just does not work anymore. And with as fast as data science of all things is moving, the communication has got to be there, but I'm going to give a shameless plug for your book there because I think you teed it up. You said, I don't, it just fell out of your mouth. This beautiful quote that there is a lack of data literacy in the boardroom. And I'm telling you, 
I could not agree more. And what's funny is that this is where you and I are on different tracks, but running parallel. There mm -hmm. is such a, a, a lack of uh, um, content marketing or digital marketing, you know, uh, literacy in the boardroom as well. And that's where I think people like you and, and oh, I struggle. You know, they yeah, don't I could see where that would be a serious issue because your content now is like, I'm a business owner. I understand if you're not producing amazing content, all, you know, on a regular basis, all of the time, not only for the consumption of creating new leads, but also to nurture your existing clients so that you stay top of mind. So you keep showing up and being the leader that you really are. If you don't do that now, you're going to, it's done. It's over yeah. with. Because I mean, even small companies like mine are doing that, you know, so it's. It... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is totally the democratization of content anymore is that, you know, companies our size can go out and eat the lunch of these larger companies because we are looking at content. We're looking at content gap analysis and we're looking at the data. So when you bring data scientists. Oh, together, yeah. Looking at the data. <laughs> right? So let, let's talk, let's merge that in because we this is kind of where we do connect in terms of marketing and how, you know, how desperate uh, modern digital marketing is for really quality data science. Look, it, it's married. You cannot anymore. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have it, a um, I have a client and he signed up from a mentorship program. And then within the first year, he had signed 300 and I think it was 350, if not more thousand dollars in contracts for media mix modeling. I call it marketing mix modeling um, services and is 67% profit margin. Wow. wow. It's first year in business Yeah, because it's like, there's no one doing that. That's why right. I, with my, with my clients that are building data businesses, you see a lot of data science leaders. And so it attracts data professionals. So then, you know, people are thinking that's the way to, to succeed, which is great. But if you're trying to start a business, the best thing you want to do is actually go where you're needed. Not because data professionals are not hiring other data professionals. Generally, if you want to start a business, you need to go where you're needed. Right, right. Well, that's kind of like a uh, you know, my approach, I'm the, really one of the only marketers for the market research industry. And so I don't go to marketing or digital marketing conferences. Everybody's exactly. always asking me, why aren't you speaking at content marketing world? Why aren't you speaking at social media? Exam? I don't I, believe me, great institutions. I love them. But that's where that's the water cooler. That's where everybody hangs out. That's my peer. So where our worlds collide is around this amazing content you provide things that are just of undeniable value to people who are um have uh, persistent and even newly emerging problems with how do i even think about data science so you're providing this great content and then you say okay now this content needs a vehicle so let's just say the small little issue we're going to talk about just to be practical you're going to take that content you're going to go put that out on youtube but as a data scientist and as someone who really, you know, really understands analytics, what are you thinking? What's, what's next for you? I know my, I have a very, very clear buyer avatar. I know who I'm helping and I'm, I know how I'm helping them, right? So I don't go outside of the bounds of that, particularly on YouTube, because I do not want to attract the YouTube algorithm. Basically, you need to attract your, your ideal. And as soon as YouTube can understand who you're trying to attract is when they're going to show you your, then your stuff's going to start blowing up because they know for sure who you're trying, who your content is for, who likes your content. And then they start 
pushing it. You understand? Uh, wait, this is so funny because everybody who listens to this podcast is going to say, not only do I understand, but Priscilla harps on and on and on about ideal client, you know, all ideal clients, ideal buyers, the avatars, however you want to say it. I don't let anybody write any piece of content. I don't care if it's a short phrase on social. You can't write anything unless you are very, very clear about the audience. So of course, this is a great tee up for me. I'll put in the show notes. You have to do your persona work. You, you can't even start something, you know, before you're that. Spending, you're actually making it where I've grown some accounts. My, my Instagram account, I grew it through methods where I got a bunch of followers from like all over the place. Well, it actually worked and that, you know, I got the authority and positioning of like, wow, lots of followers. And back in the day, that used to be cool before everything became about engagement. But once everything became about engagement, you don't want to have a bunch of people on your community that don't care. Yeah. So it's better even just to stay small and hyper engaged. And you do that by really being very, very clear about who you're helping and who you're not helping. And even creating content that pushes, that repels you know, mm-hmm. so um, I created an Instagram post the other day and it was like, it was doing this. It was basically, I'm not going to say it, but it was just basically saying something very crude. And I'm like, and I put it right on the Instagram and I lost a lot of followers that day. And I was like, good, I'm trying to get rid of these people that I know that they can't handle that. They, right. you know, like they're not entrepreneur types. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be my clients because they're not the people that want to say to the established, you know, like, so um, you want to create content that dispels, but in terms of as well, dispels as well as attracts Mm -hmm. to really narrow in uh, and like, so in terms of uh, YouTube, once I go over to the platform, they've got a tool TrueBuddy, which, uh, and I use keywords everywhere. I don't know if you've, yeah. So um, keywords everywhere is really fun. I've got it up here. Um, and, I, and I use that inside of inside of YouTube as well. And so you can get a lot of, um, you can get a really good idea of what keywords are working well um, inside of YouTube and stuff like that. So you, you know, you figure out, okay, what are the keywords what's the need? What's the interest, um, among this audience base. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I look at my content strategy. So for me, I like to bring in some, we have like, um, lifestyle angles or am I creating an evergreen piece or am I looking for a trending topic? Um, and so you have to kind of bake it in, right? So that you're attracting, you're using, say, if there's a celebrity thing that comes out with Elon Musk, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I might be able to like feature that as a topic to bring people over to my channel, like something to do with Elon Musk when he's trending or something with a name or, but that's only going to not do much for my business. It might bring subscribers. So I need to feed them with evergreen value, evergreen content um, that, that's adding value, training and stuff like that. So we have a pretty good content strategy. And then it's a matter of just um, looking and then you look at the analytics and that's what's so great about YouTube is the data is there. So you can look at your content performance. And so for me, I've got a script of like, how do you produce this in a way that's going to be quality and keeping people engaged? But then you go into the analytics and you can see when it drops down. You can see when people are going back to see something again, you can see peaks and drops. So you can then just tailor and tailor and tailor to keep your retention rates high. Once you get like 
hot topics and a very clear, the algorithm knows who your, who your consumer is and that your quality, your content super quality and that they're engaged and they're staying all the way, you know, for, you know, like we try and keep it like 40% retention rate that people are staying on there, then YouTube is gonna, it's gonna be the hockey stick growth. And mm -hmm. once, and if you have a business on the other side of that, then, you know, that's, that's the, you know, you're gonna be doing very, very well once you're on the right. other end of hockey stick growth on YouTube. But the other thing is that it's very difficult for companies, like, and smaller, if you're making less than $5 million a year, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to grow your business like as corporate instead of through personal brands mm -hmm. it's like very difficult because people are just people connect with people not businesses so from your perspective like serving customer like corporations you know I don't know how they do that I guess they have ambassadors that go on and kind mm -hmm. of build yeah. the brands and try and but I think that's one thing I really appreciate about you and your perspective is, you know, you don't see this David and Goliath, you see it reversed, is that a very nimble and a very engaged, small, even one person data scientist can make a massive difference, as long as they understand that mindset, which you really, you really, you know, I think you're pulling the curtain back on some of these big, uh, you know, these big, uh, you know, corporate strategy, you know, um, companies who act like they're the only ones who can delve into data science. But you've proven time and time again with the people that you've trained that that's not true. That a small, small little team, you know, with high engagement and high- Yeah, it's just what you, want. there's enough space though, is a thing. So if someone wants to have a corporate job and the, the paycheck and all of that, then yay, there's jobs for them in data science, you know, and all data product management. Like if I was to get a job, I'd go after data product management. But for people who want to start their own business, I mean, you can do extremely well with small business and very high profit margins, you know, with just running. And like for me, I run my business from Thailand for seven years. You know, it, I, I don't care what actually corporations do because they're not my customer. I don't actually, I used to be B2B and now I'm just, I don't really, hmm. um, you know what I'm saying? That allows yeah. me to do this on Instagram. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, well, I we need to wrap up, but obviously uh, okay. you and I could talk forever about strategy and about please don't do anything until you have a strategy. <laughs> I think everybody has heard that message from Lillian and from me. Um, but, you know, you have a really great, um, uh, very comprehensive downloadable on your site. And I just want to make people aware of it. Go visit data-mania.com. There is a data strategy action plan that she has created. Oh. And I think more than anything, what it does is it just clears the smoke and says, look, if you're interested in what the reality is of what's going on in data science, let, let's, let, let's just pull the curtain back and say, look, this is what's happening. This is, you know, how people are, you know, making huge profit on things that really are not that complicated. And, and Lillian has trained <laughs> over a million data professionals how to do this, how to, how to get in and really understand, I think, the lay of the land and say, you know what, there's a place for me here. There's plenty to do. Data science, of course, we, it, this is, this is the way anybody does business. Nobody should be doing business without data. So, you know, there's no more guessing out there, but um, please go visit. Her oh yeah. I can't time. imagine trying to, <laughs> it's hard enough with the data because you can still get distracted on the wrong things. And it's, you know what I'm saying? It's hard enough with the data, but not right. having the data is like, 
it's kind of like not having any guidance. It's just, you're not going to get very far. I don't know how people are doing it. I guess they're kind of losing their butts. Yeah. In fact, I know they are. I know they are, but here's the tricky part, Lillian. I think that you would agree with this is that sometimes some of the companies that are losing, um, they don't realize they're losing until it's too late. I wrote that, I wrote that in 2000, I think it was 2014. um, When I wrote the book, the first version, I said, everyone is going to, it's not like you're going to be able to hire a data scientist and cover this. This is everyone across the business Mm -hmm. needs to learn, have data literacy expertise, some sort of understanding of how to make decisions based on data. And then, um, you know, this is the time to to start building that and making that happen because if you wait, it's already started. So you're gonna, wow. you know, by the time you know you catch on, it's gonna be too mm-hmm. late because they are already gonna have kicked your butts. Oh my gosh, mic drop! That is a hundred percent where I feel we are with data science, with digital transformation, with social influence. I mean, it, the bus is left. It, it, this is not the future of work. This isn't even today. What's going on? This was happening. Like you said, when you wrote Data Science for Dummies in 2014, that was happening then. And people who did not pay attention, you know, either are number one out of business or are about to be. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't even imagine like, cause there was a, I mean, wasn't there a lot of, I was working in the data field and reading, reading these blogs and stuff, but I, I mean, I saw it everywhere. There's a lot of talk about data science and data and big data. It was huge. So I don't mm-hmm. understand why it's like it was too, but now the industry is saturated. So, mm-hmm. well, it's pretty, it's pretty full. So, but it took a long time for the world to catch up, even though it was pretty obvious back nine years ago that this is like basically get on it. Right, right. Oh, no, I could not agree more. Lillian, thank you so much for your time. I know you're incredibly busy, but my audience has really, I know I will get email back about this episode um, because we went a really a different vein. And I think we not only brought these big mindsets and these concepts, but I think we also tackled really, you know, um, practically what, what do we do next? And I really like how your work does that. It says, okay, here's big problem, but here's what we can do about it. So from all the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.